and the 1045 service. So um, I, I want to, what I want to do is, uh, first of all, I want to talk about something I think every one of us face right now. We're, the title of my message is Living Above the Fear, Fatigue, and Frustration. And, um, and all of those are, or at least part of those, are a major issue in most of our lives at this particular point. And, uh, and I want to talk about that. I also want us to pray because, well, for several reasons, but, but our president has actually um, designated today a day of prayer. And uh, a national day of prayer. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess, um, yeah, we, you know, as a nation, uh, we tend in crisis times to turn to prayer. And that's one of the most that, that's one of the most positive things in our nation throughout history. And I remember the prayer gatherings that broke out at 9/11, and when all that happened, and it was a little different. Um, people jammed in church at that point. People were afraid for the first time in their lifetime there had ever been an attack on the on the mainland of the United States, and. Uh, and people became, uh, the, what, what, what crisis does in these kinds of things is they shake our false sense of security. Because it is a false sense. We have this like false sense that everything's fine and we're okay. And, it, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, all that sense of security is gone because, you know, it didn't have anything to, hold, to stand on in the first place. Unless your security is standing on the Lord. If, if it's standing on God, then that can't be shaken. But if your security is kind of standing on um, the calmness or you know the serenity of our environment, the place where we live, and all that kind of thing, well, then it can be shaken so easily. And that's what's happening today. It's why you can't get any toilet paper. <laughs> you know? It's, there's, it's, it's why I was at the, uh, I was at the, I was at Costco the other day, not getting toilet paper, um, getting my tire fixed. And uh, I was standing in line and this gentleman was probably about good six or seven feet away from me and he coughed. And the moment he coughed, I did what you do too. I moved, <laughs> you know, now I'm about 15 feet away from him. But that's, things have changed in a very short period of time. And um, we face these challenges. And uh, at the end, we're going to pray generally, but we're also going to pray for each of us as we, um, we walk through this. Because this, this is a time of incredible opportunity. Incredible opportunity. Because you probably don't know anybody that isn't a little bit concerned. And you probably know a lot of people who are freaking out right now. And you, as a follower of Christ, have the answer. You, you, you have the ability to walk in peace in the middle of all that, to have a security and, uh, and to, to have a hope that goes beyond everything that others are without if they don't have Christ. And people are open. 
they're open. They might not be open to come to a large church gathering, so, but they're open to come into your home. And, uh, and I'm talking now even to those who are at home watching. This is an opportunity. Your neighbors to come and hear the word of God. And uh, a lot of them will show up and watch it with you. You can do a, you can do a, group, uh, a group watch. And uh, they open the doors for the gospel. So um, where we're going to be is we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. Okay? 1 Kings chapter 19. And, and we're going to look at a, a, the li- life of Elijah. And uh, the story... It's, the story is after Elijah has had this, he, he, he is this mighty man, this mighty man of faith and courage, and, and he faces off the false prophets uh, of, uh, of Baal on Mount Carmel. And um, that's a, we, when we go to Israel, we always stop there and, uh, and just kind of, um, you know, kind of take a, a good picture in our mind of what happened on that, on that hilltop. But um, he, he went there with the sole uh, desire and challenge because Israel has started worshiping other gods. And, and to challenge the false gods and challenge the false teachers and prophets um, to what God is the God to serve. And so he, he, he challenges them to, that God would answer by fire. And what courage is that? That he's going to expect God is actually going to do this miracle. And so they take, uh, you know, they take the, the animal and they put it on the altar to be, uh, to be consumed. And he says to the false prophets, the 450 with, uh, false prophets that were there, says, go ahead and call upon your God. And and they start, and he mocks them. I just love his attitude, you know? He's, he's mocking them, because as they're, they're trying to call on their God, nothing's happening. They start cutting themselves and doing kind of their, their, their false worship. And, and, he says, and he says to them, well, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe better be louder. You know, you maybe t- take more. And, and then, then he says, well... You know, maybe your God is on the toilet. <laughs> you know, he can't hear you. And so he mocks them. And then, of course, when his turn comes, he says, throw the water on it. I mean, let's, let's make sure this is just God. And God consumes it. And then he calls on the people and they, they kill the, the, the false prophets. I mean, he has this incredible victory. He is the man of God standing before all the people. But he has a problem. And that is that the king and queen are, uh, of Israel now are worshipers of Baal. And they don't like what's going on. And so Ahab and uh, Jezebel get a little angry at it. And so the 19th chapter comes like this. And it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had ex- executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel 
threatens Elijah just after this. And you would think this guy goes, what, what, you know, I'm, you think I'm worried about you? I just handled 400 false prophets. Why am I worried about you? That's not his response. And, but there is a, there's a question, too, um, why she, in fact, notifies him that he's gonna, she's sending somebody after him to kill him tomorrow. What, why did she say, you know, I'm sending someone to kill you tomorrow? See, if, if Elijah would have even thought this logically a little bit, if he would have even started there, he would have known two things. One, after he just did this, it'd be hard, he'd, she would be hard-pressed to find anybody in Israel willing to go and kill the prophet after that happened. But he also would have known and thought that her, she, didn't, she wasn't after killing him. She was after humiliating him and discrediting his God. So what she does is she threatens him, and he actually falls into her trap. And he chooses, and he runs. He takes off. That's exactly what she wanted. She didn't want him around affecting all these people because all these people now are saying there's only one God in Israel and, and Elijah's the, the prophet of God and all these people are, are becoming converts, if you were. They're, they're leaving the, the false gods and leaving all the false prophets and they're turning to the Lord. A revival is about to take place in Israel and instead... What happens is Elijah buys into the deception, buys into the plan, and runs. And now he's uh, he's taking off. Now it's it's not it's what's not said that is probably the most important thing of this story. What's not said, you'll notice, is it is not said that Elijah, after hearing that news falls down on his face before God, gets on his knees before God, and prays. That's what's not said. It just says that he, he, he decides, when he, when he saw that, he rose, arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. Now this irrational act, if you would, he runs 80 miles, and him and his servant go, he goes, goes with him. He goes 80 miles. He's running, getting as far away as he can. And, you know, 80 miles in a car isn't that bad, but it's a pretty good trek on, uh, on, on feet, on your feet. And, and then it says, he left his servant there. So he, he runs 80 miles to Beersheba, and then... He leaves his servant there. Now, it doesn't tell us why, but he leaves his servant there, and he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So he gets away, so he's all alone. And he came and sat down under the broom tree, and it, then it says, and he prayed that he might die. Now, this mighty man of prayer is mighty enough to make the rain stop and the dew stop for three and a half years, and then mighty enough to make it start again in prayer. This mighty man, Elijah, um, who, 
by the way, is one of the few men in the Bible who would never die. Praise that he would die. And he first isolates himself because this is what fear will do. Fear will isolate you from others. And so he, he isolates himself. And then he prays a prayer that thankfully God doesn't answer. God doesn't answer every prayer. And, and aren't you glad? There are some prayers that should not be answered. And because if they, would an, if they were answered, they would, have, they, they would have ruined things in your life. They would have short-circuited things in your life. You would have less of what God wants in your life for when some prayers have been given and God said no to them. See, Elijah was going to live, not only live, but he was going to live a fruitful, better life after this than before. God had some great plans for him. He was going to live beyond this, and God was going to work through him in mighty, mighty ways. And God was not done with him, but Elijah was ready to be done. And if you see the attitude, what has taken place in his life, he was at the mountaintop, and all of a sudden, it didn't take much. His security, you know, his security was gone. His false security was gone. If he's relying on, you know, his ability to protect himself, and, and all of his hopes about his future, all gone in just a moment. But now he asked God if God would, you know, just let him die. He wants to die. And he, and, and he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So instantly, like, he, he takes blame um, for his unworthiness, Maybe he thinks God is fed up with him. Maybe he thinks God is behind this. Maybe God is doing this. God wants him dead. Maybe that's what's going on. But whatever it is, it's fear. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Fear involves torment. Fear torments you. And if you continue in fear, this is what fear does. Fear is the food that feeds your doubt. And if you feed your doubt long enough, it will produce unbelief. And so this fear is feeding his, his doubt. He's feeding, it's growing. His doubt is growing. The scripture says there that, that fear, uh, perfect love casts out fear because you know, this fear has tor torment, but here's the point. You cannot have love and fear at the same time toward people. If you fear someone, you're not loving, you can't love them. And if you love them, you won't fear them. And this is one of the dangers of what we're facing today, not only in our, you know, in, in the world and and even in the church. Because that tendency, in, and there's a, there, there's a right way and a wrong way to kind of protect, you know, be, there's wisdom, and, you know, to live in kind of protection. You want preparation, not panic. You want to, you know, you, you want uh, to, to, to make sure that you're, uh, you know, taking care of things and you're using wise wisdom, um, 
And you, you want to make sure that, you know, you're conscious of things that need to be taken care of, but you don't live in crisis. And so we're in that kind of thing. And like that man who coughed in line at Costco for me, I wasn't going to go give him a hug. I didn't need to. But it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it, when, when you start to fear people, you don't see them as a person whom God loves and God wants to minister. You, want, you see them as a person you want to get as far away as possible. And so how do you, how do you operate that way? The more as a, as a church, the more as a society that we become more fearful of being near people, the less likely that we're going to be able to minister to them and love them and do what God's called us to do. And that's the danger. You will have to manage that in your life. You'll have to decide where and at, you know, at what point at what, you know, that you would distance yourself when the opportunity is for you to minister. The risk factor is always there. Listen, the church has always had that risk factor. We have brothers and sisters that live in places that when they see and love someone enough to share the gospel with them, that they're risking their life. See, this is not new for the church. It might be new for us, but it's not new for the church. That we, we have brothers and sisters that live in, in countries where they, they share the gospel and they can be thrown in jail. I mean, we're talking large segments of the world that we live in, large segments of that world. Whole, whole, you know, large places, for instance, in India. We've got, we've got China where, you know, if you are considered proselytizing someone, you can be in prison, you can have everything taken from you, and it's getting worse in more and more places around the world where our brothers and sisters live. So that decision is being made on a continual basis, all the time. Now we find ourselves in those kinds of dilemmas in our own life and how, do we, how we manage that as followers of Jesus Christ in wisdom, in wisdom. Now, it says, um, <clears throat> fear involves torment. But it also, listen, fear also produces fatigue. See, there's fear and there's fatigue. Some of us are getting worn out just because of the ongoing pressures that are more and more around us. And people are tired. In fact, it's interesting. I've, I talked to several people this week, and they just said, I, that their answer to how are you doing was, I'm tired. I'm worn out. Anything more going on? Well, a little bit, I'm, I'm, but there's things to manage. But a lot, of it's, a lot of it's going on in our minds. A lot of it is the concerns about, you know, the economy, the concerns about, you know, people that you love getting infected. Uh, there, there's those kinds of concerns that are going on right now. But that builds in fatigue. Elijah's been running. He's tired. He's worn out. 
And the scripture says here in verse 5, then as he lay and slept under the broom tree. So he's, he's, he's sleeping. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Now why is an angel waking him up and telling him to eat? Well, he hasn't eaten. Then, you know, so he said, then, then he looked and there by his head was a cake, baked cake of coal on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. See, the first ministry to Elijah is to his physical needs. That's what God is doing. God is taking care of him physically. It's it's not always in that order, but sometimes it needs to be. It's important to take care of yourself physically, especially when you're getting worn out, and to sleep and to rest. But some are just drained mentally right now, and we need to we need to be aware of that. And then it says, And the angel of the Lord came back and the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. See, God has a plan for you, and I'm going to get you re- restored. And he, so he feeds him, and he says, It's time to get going. And uh, he's going to do a 40-day trip, 200 miles, to, get wh- to, to go and get where God wants him to be. And God's going to speak to him. And then it says in verse 8, And he rose and ate and drank, and he went in, in, in the strength of the food... 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that, in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here? Now, I want to say this. God gave him the strength, sent him off on a journey. He gets to where God has taken him. He's in a cave, and now God asks the question, what are you doing here? I don't think it's the location he's asking him about. I think he's asking him, what are you doing here? What's going on with you? How did you get to this? You mighty man of God. You mighty warrior. How did you get to this place where you've been running You've kind of, you've, you've, you've totally just discounted your ministry. You're, just, you're in this cave. How'd you get here? Some of us maybe are being asked that question from God right now. How'd you get here? How'd you get so beat up? How'd you get so filled with doubt? How did you get to this place in your life? So God asks Elijah this. And, and Elijah shares his frustration. And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Okay. In other words, he's saying, I don't, I, I don't deserve this. I've been doing, I've been zealous for God. I've been the one. I'm the one standing up for God. I've been doing it, so, you know, I have a good heart. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. It's them. They got a problem. I'm frustrated. Why am I frustrated? I go to the store, and I can't get toilet paper. You know? I, 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 I'm frustrated with these people. The crowds of people, you know, frantic. They're, 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 they've gotten wild. We have a we have a friend who um, was at 
the store. They had waited finally. They, they weren't one of those in the first crowd to, to store up the toilet paper, but they, it was time to get some. So they went to the store, got some toilet paper, put it in their cart, was going around. They left their cart for a second to go get something, and someone came and stole the toilet paper out of their cart. <clears throat> a, a worse story I heard this, this week was that an elderly man, uh, a friend of someone in our church, um, went to a store. It, it was kind of hard for him to get things, but he needed to get a few things. And he just went to the store and had a couple of things. One of the things he had was a jar of pickles. And I can't remember what the other one was. And someone walked up to him. This guy walks up to him and says, I want those pickles, and took it out of his hand. Yeah, oh. you want to be there, right, at that point with a bat in your hand. I'm, I'm not, not, not that. <clears throat> How could, what, what? Frustration. Talk about frustration, right? Have, zealous for the Lord. He says, I've been zealous for the Lord, but these people, they've forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I am alone am left, and they seek my life. Well, that's not totally true. You know, sometimes God's servants... In discouraging times, feel isolated. You start feeling like you're the only one. Who else is, you know, going to stand with me? And and Elijah has his reasons, but they're not all accurate. Not everybody in Israel has forsaken God's commandments. Not everyone in Israel are have torn down the altars. Not everyone in Israel has been killing the prophets. Not everyone is after Elijah. But he feels like that. One of my daughters says, said, fear is an unstable emotion. It's an unstable, it is. It's an unstable emotion. When it says it brings torment, it causes you to think. That's why you're, you should never make a decision out of fear. Because you'll rarely make the right decision. You'll rarely do that. So, so this is what God does. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great... And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. I mean, that's quite a wind before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in a fire. So, like, like many other people, Elijah probably only looked for God in the dramatic manifestations. Sometimes we want God, you know, we expect if God's going to do something, it's only going to be big. But oftentimes, it isn't that. Because God wants us to stop and be quiet and to listen. Maybe if Elijah would have started here, he wouldn't have gotten there and I think that's what God is saying to him why are you here Elijah and and here comes the voice and the Lord 
was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. God whispers. God whispers. Sometimes God whispers and doesn't shout. Sometimes God shouts. But oftentimes God whispers because when he whispers, we have to calm down. We have to, we have to, we have to get quiet and we have to pay attention. You know, when, when you talk about anxiousness or fear, uh, this, one of the scriptures that always comes up is, uh, is in First uh, Peter 5, 7, where it says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That is not a strategy. It isn't a strategy. It isn't a three-step strategy on how to, you know, be healed from your anxieties and worries and so forth. It's a call to relationship. That's what it is. It's a call to relationship. When you're casting your cares, what are you doing? Well, you're taking it to God. And when you're casting your cares, and he says, why? Because God cares for you. So you are in a place of, of knowing that God cares about your situation. He, you know God cares about what's going on in your life because God cares for you. When you walk in fear, you forget how much God cares for you. When you're walking in fear and anxiety, you have distanced yourself and you're not sure. You know, you're walking in doubt. Maybe God doesn't really care about me. Maybe God is taking, you know, he, he's going to punish me like he, like he should have punished my forefathers who walked in sin. I've done the same thing. I don't know what, what I've done, but I've done something really bad. And we, we walk away from the confidence that we have in the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin. And we're, we're, we're in this place that God is wanting to take and calm us down and say, see, it isn't a strategy to get peace. It's a relationship that brings peace. You get that? I, when we talk about being anxious, mo many of us, the first place it goes is to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then the peace of God that passes understanding will rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is not a, that isn't a three-point strategy. You pray, supplicate in prayer, um, and then, you do, you, then you're thankful. And then that, what that does is that works kind of, per, no, all of that is about your interaction and, and, and communion with God. Because God when God intervenes, God can calm your storms. God can heal your anxiety and your fear. God can change your life. God can give you faith. God can do all these things in your life. He's the only one, but God can do that. He can, he can change your circumstance. And so when you pray and then you start being thankful, what are you doing when you're being thankful? Well, you, you just start the process. It's kind of like, well, how, much, how, much, how thankful should I get? Well, maybe you ought to be thankful for, you know, three or four things. Okay, God, I'm thankful for the air I breathe. I'm thankful for the water I drink. I'm thankful for the food. Do I have enough now to get peace? But as you go along and your heart becomes thankful and you start to see the things God has given you, you know what that does? It starts to remind you how good God is. See, 
cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And what happens is your interaction, it's not a, it's not a thank list that changes you. It's an interaction with God. It's a re- relationship element that starts. Because as you're talking to God in thankfulness, that interaction with God, that communion with God, you're inviting God right into the center of your life and God changes your heart. God brings peace. See, he's a, in his person is peace. It's not just that God pours peace on you. It's God's not, you know, he doesn't have this bucket and he's just pouring peace in. He is the peace. See, he's the God of peace. And so he dwells in your heart. And that, well, that, and that relationship, that welling of the spirit of God transforms us. It brings peace to us. And it says, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? No, we're not reading the verse before. He's saying it again. God is saying it again. God is repeating it. It's kind of like, Elijah, are you getting it? When God, when God asks you a question and you answer it, then he asks you again, you shouldn't give him the same answer. He obviously, obviously your answer wasn't right. So God asks the question again. Because Elijah's que- answer was, well, the, you know, nobody's doing the right thing and I'm, doing the only, I'm the only one doing the right thing. But God is saying, you're not supposed to be here, Elijah. You're not supposed to be here. And you, that question is not just about where he is, it's about who he is. You're not, not only are you not supposed to be here, do you know, do you know who you are? Elijah, you're my man. You're my man. You know who you are? You're his man. You're his woman. You're his child. And he said, here he goes again. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Okay, you don't get Elijah, so I'm going to give you a project. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king of Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of uh, Nimshi as king over Israel and Elijah the son of Shaphat as Abel and Moalah and aren't you glad you're not having to read all these names? You shall anoint as prophet in your place. See, Elijah, the Lord is now perhaps doing the best thing for Elijah. He's getting him back on track. See, Elijah, you forgot who you are and you forgot your calling. And that's what fear and anxiety does to you at times. That's what frustration does to you sometimes. That's, that, that's where people go when they're, you know, they're fatigued. Sometimes they forget who they are and you, they forget their calling. And Elijah has a call on his life. And he missed it. 
because he looked at the circumstances that looked dire, he let his security in God be shaken. And instead of continuing in doing what God had called him to do and to be, he instead decided to run. And this is the temptation that all of us face in this really extraordinary time. Never seen anything like this. I'm, you know, the, j- just the, we've, we've never seen, I've never seen in my lifetime other, you know, I mean, I, I do remember, um, and I'm aging myself, but I, I do remember the Vietnam War. I don't remember the Second World War. I just read about it. Just in case you know. I'm going to put me. <clears throat> but, but I, I, do un, I do understand a certain level of anxiety. I've never seen it this way. Not in our, in our country. Just kind of franticness that seems to be just welling up. And in the, in the media is, you know, on it at, at a different level. And, and, and people, we, this is a great, this is, one of the greatest opportunities for the church. The church in history in these times have shined the most and we don't want to miss our opportunity. We want to be the people who are the stable people in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our schools. We have to be those people who are filled with God. So what do you do? You have to hear his still small voice. Because the answer, I mean, you can get some rest. You probably ought to if you're fatigued. You probably ought to eat well. You ought to take care of yourself. You have to be wise. But you have to hear from God. Because you won't have the proper balance if you don't. You have to hear the still small voice of God. You've got to listen to him. You've got to spend time with them. A lot of us have been talking to God a lot. Oh, God, protect us. Keep us safe, you know. Proper prayers. God, curb this. We, we, we pray that. You know, stop this, the spread of this disease. We pray those prayers. But we can't just fill God's ears. We have to have our ears filled with God's voice. And if we don't stop and listen to God ourselves we'll never have what's needed to fulfill what God's called us to do and to be and you if you're a child of God if you've accepted Christ you have a call you have a purpose in your life that's even bigger than your life it's even bigger than your life don't give that up because you have this instinct to run Don't give that up. Well, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, the peace that comes from sitting in your presence. There's nothing like it, Lord. Not only in your presence is fullness of joy, in your presence is peace and comfort and security. And Father, I pray that you will Lord, wherever anyone here today that might be struggling with that, or anyone here who is distant from you, 
today is the day to come to you. And if you're here and you are distant from God, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe I'm talking to those who are watching online right now, and there's some of you there that you, you're, you're far from God. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to open your heart and say yes to Jesus. And if you just, just pray, you just, just ask him. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I choose today that you would be my savior. I ask you to cleanse my soul from my sin. I believe that you died for my sins. You were buried and you conquered death. I receive you, Jesus, as my savior. I want to follow you. I ask you'll help me to do that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Um, <clears throat> I want to just, I, I also want to jump in <clears throat> to a, um, a prayer. Um, because our president asked us to pray. And I think we ought to join in with churches around the country and places and people around this country who are praying for our nation and praying for this. The scripture, um, one of my pastor friends sent to me this morning, and I felt it was just the right thing. It's in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 9, and it says this, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Amen. Amen. We are the temple of the living God. God's presence dwells in us, right? And we call upon the Lord. Father, we call upon you. Thank you. That, Lord, you are the God who hears. You have answered the prayer of your people throughout history. Lord, in, in our nation, in very dire circumstances, Lord, we have called upon you and you have, you have risen up for us, even though we were not deserving. But that, Lord, there were a contingency of, of faithful followers of you, God, who rose their vo lifted up their voice and said, Lord, you're our only hope. And we are those people today. Lord, you are our only hope. We ask you, God, to just squelch this virus. Just stop it, Lord, in its tracks. We pray, Lord God, for our leaders, and we pray that there would be wisdom, Lord, that they would operate in integrity and righteousness, Lord, that, Lord, you would have your way in their lives and hearts, Father, I pray. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, cause, Lord, our, our, our nation to turn toward you. Lord, those who are far from you, Lord, in their shaken security, Lord, they will look in the only place that they can have true security. In you, God, I pray. Lord, rise up in this place. Cause this nation, cause, Lord, not only uh, Americans, but, Lord, we pray for the world. This is shaken many places and places where, Lord, followers of you have been persecuted and, and imprisoned and, and God has suffered greatly. I pray that those who have been doing that will see Lord, that it's the believers who have the peace. It's those that, Lord, they have been persecuting who have the answer. Father, I pray the kingdom of God, that, Lord, as your words talks about, Lord, that 
that the enemy meant it for evil, but God, you'll mean, you mean it for good. You're going to turn this all around, and the kingdom is going to grow, and it's be established in greater ways than ever before, God. We pray. Lord God, reach down with your mighty hand, O oh Lord. You are the almighty God. You are able. And Lord God, we believe you are willing, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you and say, Lord, do your will, God, I pray, in Jesus' name. Do your will, God, in Jesus' name. Save, redeem, bring healing, protection. I pray for our congregation, Lord, your covering and your protection over the people of God in this church and in our community, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, will you agree with that and say amen? Amen, 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 Lord Jesus, amen. We're going to close in worship, and, uh, and, and we're going to dismiss. I, um, we are not handing, uh, passing out the offering buckets. That does not mean that we don't need to, the offering. Letting you know online, letting you know here, that doesn't mean we don't need the offering. And, and, uh, but, um, but we're not going to pass around the buckets. We're, they, they'll be in the back on tables. And if you like to give, that way you can give. Give online. Um, especially as many of you are not in church this morning uh, online, uh, please uh, consider the importance of that. We do not want as a church, in a, you know, and, and when, when all this is over, we come back. Um, we need to make sure that we keep up what is needed. The needs don't go get worse, they actually increase. The needs actually increase in this season. So would you make sure that, let's close in worship. Let's lift our hearts and voices to God. <laughs>